Hey, what's good? This is Rich, and you're listening to Paychecks and Balances, a podcast about the intersection of work, money, and life. So whether you're trying to get out of debt, into a new career, or into a better mindset and mental space, PMB has you covered. And before getting on with this episode, I wanted to share a quick business progress update since I did start doing that in March. And I've started running a few experiments to see what makes money and what doesn't. And this is stuff that I've known how to do for a while now, but didn't start applying until now. And I'm sort of kicking myself since I'm seeing some pretty significant upticks in revenue, which is awesome. And I'll have a lot more to share about that in May. But I'm telling you now, though, if this continues to work out the way that I see it working out, I'm going to have a lot of goodness to talk about on the podcast. So definitely stay tuned. On today's show, I'm talking to someone who was on the podcast a long, long time ago, even when they were first getting into podcasting. And it's really been too long. And she's the author of Redefine Wealth for Yourself and an all-around phenomenal individual in the personal finance space and beyond. And you may have even seen her on the media circuit. And I'm talking about Patrice Washington. And what I love about Patrice's evolution is that she's speaking on so much more than money and bringing her full story into things. So I really enjoyed taking a bigger picture look at what it means to build wealth when we think about what that means for ourselves and also kicking it with her to close out Pisces season. So we did have this conversation a few weeks back. So you can pick up her book because I know you're going to want to at paybao.co slash redefine wealth. Again, that's P-A-Y-B-A-L dot C-O slash redefine wealth. So here's my conversation with Patrice, and I hope you enjoy and are forever changed. All right, maybe not that dramatic, but I hope you like this one as much as I did do whatever. Patrice, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. Yeah. So I was looking before we sat down to have this conversation and it's been almost four years since you've been on the podcast. I had to go back yes. and look. It was like episode 67 or something like that. It was 2017. And uh, I know a lot of stuff has changed since then. And it's probably too much for you to recount everything, but <laughs> give the quick catch up. Uh, what's been what's been going on for you? I know I've seen you at conferences and stuff like that, but there are yeah. listeners who follow you around the web and they may have heard you here in the past. So what's the what's been going on? Because I know it's been a lot. Well, first of all, I have to thank you because you were one of the first podcasts I had come on to really share my story and also announce that I was launching a podcast. You were a part of like my first five interviews, I think, wow. uh, at that time in 2017 that helped me launch the Redefining Wealth podcast. So a lot has happened <laughs> since then. So Redefining Wealth um, has really taken off as a philosophy that was new for me because, as you know, I have been a financial expert out in the media for a long time, but it was around budgets and credit reports and debt elimination. And I really didn't feel like I was using the fullness of my voice. I felt like I was hiding all these other parts of my life that actually helped me manage my money better. And I wanted to tell that story, but that wasn't necessarily a popular uh, media story, if you will. Producers were like, no, let's talk about saving on, you know, mm. uh, groceries. And I'm like, ah, I'd rather, you know, talk about mindset stuff and yeah. I'd rather talk about relationships. And so since then, we've grown this amazing um, community. 
We're at nearly 8 million downloads. We have people who call themselves purpose chasers from all over the world. I've launched amazing programs to support women on this journey of building wealth without all the stress, struggle, and strife. And as you know, I just launched my fifth book. My This is the first book uh, that's been published since 2016. It's Redefine Wealth for Yourself. And so I've been inundated with all things redefining wealth. And I moved. So I'm no longer in California. I'm back in Georgia now. Wow. For the second time around. Lots, lots happening. And newly 40. <laughs> yes. <laughs> newly Happy minted. belated. Pisces power to you. Yes. Pisces power to us in... Uh, it's it's interesting because we've had you know these these conversations here and there over the years, and I know some people are like that, that astrology stuff. It's not real, but I I genuinely believe there's there's something to it uh, with the way people move through the world. And I think of the types of conversations that I have with people, and I was thinking of a conversation that I had with you in Nashville when we were at a particular individual's conference slash event. And, uh, and I want to say this was probably, it was either 2000, 2018, 2019. And, uh, at that point you, it sounded like you were leaning more into telling the full story and talking about some of these other pieces. And, uh, I was at a point myself where, uh, I was finally getting to a place where, uh, I was ready to talk about some of the things that were going on behind the scenes. And so, Mm I've started talking about like even being alcohol free and like, and like quitting drinking, which is something that I did uh, at the beginning of July. And uh, I saved this to say on the show, but I don't start talking about that part of the journey if we don't have that conversation that we had back in Nashville. So what's been interesting. And as we move our way into abundance is I've noticed that since I've stopped hiding and stopped uh, and, and stopped avoiding talking about that side of the story, even though it doesn't sound great, like, man, Rich was drinking that much. Like, that doesn't sound great, but we all have our things. But I've yeah. noticed that since I've, like, leaned into talking about that, like, so much good stuff. And and also the act of not drinking has helped tremendously, which gets into <laughs> right. some of the fitness that, that that you talk about. But I've noticed that so many good things have come into my life as a result of one, making this lifestyle choice, but then also uh, being okay talking about it. And that's just like scratching Mm -hmm. the surface of things that I plan to talk about. But I wanted to thank you for that conversation. But I also think that it speaks to a lot of kind of what you talk about in the uh, book. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. I just have to say, and I remember, um, seeing it, I guess, I don't know if it was a social media post or if it was in a group or something that that we're both in, but I remember seeing you talk about it, like reading it. And I was so freaking proud of you that you weren't hiding that part because it doesn't matter how successful we can look on the surface. I really believe, and first of all, I call it 365 degrees of accountability. And sometimes it's not just about, oh, I have an accountability partner or I'm in this mastermind with three or four people. Like sometimes we need public accountability. Like we need to say things out loud and just call a thing a thing, put a name to it so that we can really get the support and the love because what these types of things do when we're hiding things, we feel the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment. And no matter what we want to put out into the world, there's always just that like that that film 
that's over it. Or there's always like that wall that separates us from the very people we say we want to serve. And oftentimes when we tell our stories, it is the very permission that someone else needs to tell their story or to own some part of their narrative, their truth, um, and not and not allow it to be weaponized. Because we usually don't say anything because we're like, if people knew. But I found with all the things that I share in my story from losing everything in the recession to having to file bankruptcy um, years ago to losing my first child to premature labor, like every time I share a bit more of my story, I can't tell you how many comments, DMs, emails I receive from women saying, oh my gosh, thank you. Like Because you told that story, I know that I'm not alone. And I really feel that that's what it's about. Like, it's not about us. It's about other people, like serving other people. Exactly. Exactly. And it's been insane to talk to some people, peers, probably for both of us. And a, a lot of people have been struggling with the same. And you would never know. And it's not part of what they talk about. But they've like said, like, hey, I won. Uh, that's awesome. Like I've struggled with that for three or four years, or that's mm-hmm. why I went to a plant-based diet, or that's why this, or, you know, my father used to be a really big drinker. So I know that. And it's just what I've been able to learn from people. It, it's actually helping better inform like how I move the business forward. And also even how I walk in my own purpose. Cause it's like, okay, like this is resonating and, and, and it feels authentic, which is super important, which is super important because uh, I know sometimes people like they they come up on their struggle story and they make that like the thing, but like it's like th- there's something about it where it's like manufactured struggle because they know that it's going to relate with people right. versus like no like this is like this is the experience and I feel good talking about it and by talking about it I'm helping people and by helping people I'm living in alignment with my values. So it's actually making it easier for me to make decisions yeah. for myself, for the business, and um, even for my relationships. Mm -hmm. I have to say too, Rich, it's not about only sharing it when you're on the other side either. So for anyone who's listening, who's like, well, that's good. You can talk about it now because you're not on the bathroom floor anymore. You're not headed to bankruptcy court anymore. Um, No matter what the story is, you don't have to be a perfect 10 in order to really share something that will be valuable to others, to share whatever lessons you've gleaned from your experience. And I say this all the time. If I die a seven, then I was only supposed to help one through sixes. Like, I don't have to save the world. I don't have to help everyone. But all parts of my story, including the raggedy, embarrassing parts, uh, there's still purpose in them. And I think that's important for folks to know who are waiting to be perfect as opposed to just stepping into their purpose, whether it feels perfect or not. I love that. It's a huge thing, especially because I know a lot of people who listen to this show, listen to, your, listen to yours, follow your work. We're all achievers, overachievers, and we want to do well and we want to experience freedom, whatever that means for us in our lives. Even for self, I realize like so much like, all right, I got to buy this course and I got to have this equipment and I got to do this and I got to do that. All right, now I'm ready. Ah, oh, man, I couldn't get this one thing to work. So <laughs> now I got to order this other thing. And next thing you know, years have gone by. And I have things like that where even with some of the podcast consulting stuff and like that brand, like it, it's been sitting there for since 2017, like the website's been done, the brand has been done. And 
waiting for the perfect time to get started. And, you know, there's the imposter syndrome, the fear of missing out and and all of that stuff uh, that stops people from taking action. So where do you see the balance between preparation? Because I'm not a full believer in just put it, just throw it out there. I do believe that first impressions matter. Yeah. And I also believe that people are probably extending more grace now than ever before because of the environment that we're in. But where do you see kind of like the threshold of learning and actually taking action and putting it out there and being okay with it not being the best, but it's still being like good enough where you're creating the impression that you want. And and this could be with changing it. It, it could be with anything, but what's your, your, your general thinking on that? I believe in sloppy progress. <laughs> I do believe, I don't believe in just throwing anything out there because I do believe in operating in excellence and in integrity. But I think sometimes we confuse that with perfection. First of all, I always suggest people do like a first pass with others. So in my coaching programs, for example, I do, I say launch a beta version. So no one expects a 10. They know that they're a part of a trial thing, but you can see what works and what doesn't, therefore keeping you in action, right? So if it was a job thing, submit a few resumes, maybe not to your top, you know, positions, maybe not to the job that you really, really want, but submit it to a few other places where, you know, if you got it, you'd be like, cool. If you didn't, you'd be like, eh. But perhaps you can get into an interview and just get feedback around what they perceived based on what you presented. I think that the most important thing is the momentum, right? Is to stay in action. And I think that we overwhelm ourselves when we feel like, and this is in finances, relationships, health and wellness, any area of your life, when we are looking to these big grandiose goals and really the only thing you need to do is take the next small step, like one step after the other. And I think what prevents us from moving forward is we want to see the entire staircase. And I love the MLK quote about, it's not about, you know, seeing the entire staircase, you just have to take the next step. So what's a tiny thing that you can do to move you in that direction? And again, with accountability, how do you get other people's eyes on it? Because if it's only you in your head, you will talk yourself in and talk yourself out in a two-minute conversation, (laughs) like in your head, and you'll never make progress. So I really think it's about getting accountability and just getting something going, but not getting so focused on the big thing, just what's the next thing. There's the book that we talked about in 2017 when you were on the the podcast or what was happening at that time. And then there's the book that you wrote just now. What's been going on in between then and why this book? So the last book was very technical. It was all the typical money advice, but it really didn't share much of my personal story. And I actually got the idea to do this book in about 2018, but it wasn't ready. You know, I thought I was ready to do it. I knew my six pillars. I knew my story, but I didn't know, similar to what we were just talking about, how it could actually impact other people because the podcast was brand new, late 2017. So as the podcast has grown and more people have put these pillars into practice, it's just been amazing to see how it's universal, right? Because people will be like, well, that works for you. You're special. You're a unicorn. You go harder than other people. But to see it like really resonate with everyday people. So them using these principles and actually moving their lives forward and seeing that attraction of more money, better jobs, you know, promotions, building businesses, 
not by forcing and pushing and manipulating in those areas in particular, but by actually improving their wellness journey and actually improving their relationships and their space and their faith and all those things. It's been mind blowing, honestly, because it's one thing to be like, no, I'm telling you guys, this has worked for me. But to see it work for hundreds, if not thousands of other people has been, it's been incredible. I see. So we're going to go with thousands. We're going to go go with, you know what? Yeah. Let's, let's speak at hundreds of thousands and eventually millions of people around the world of all backgrounds are going to check it out. I know that you keep women in mind with the book, but even, I mean, so the thing is, it's like, it's, it really is for anybody. Like I've been going it's through it. It's for anyone. I, yeah. It's, it's for anyone. And I hear from guys all the time. They're like, would you stop saying that? Because we listen and I'm like, that's just my natural kind of bias, I guess, as a woman. Yeah. But I do realize that it transcends gender, socioeconomic status, religion, any of the things that people would think would make you segregate or separate yourself. No, I've, it's it literally transcends all of that. Got you. And you rattled through the pillars as you were talking, but could you just say what they are again yeah. so people know? And then uh, I do have some questions on some of the content under the various pillars, but just so people know w- what these core pillars are. So here are the six pillars of wealth. The first is fit. It's about becoming your best self. And we talk about not just being physically um, well, but also mentally well in order for you to step into the wealth you say that you desire. Uh, The second pillar is people create relationships that matter. That's personally and professionally. Third is space. It's about setting up your life to support you. And our big takeaway there is clutter is a physical manifestation of chaos in your mind. Fourth is about faith. It's about believing in something greater. It's not about forcing you to believe anything in particular, but just knowing when uh, to lean on your faith and that it's necessary for many of us. Work is about living your life's purpose. And then finally, money uh, is about attracting the prosperity you desire. And how are you more mindful about uh, how you maneuver with money? Now, on the money, it's last. It's probably... Short. It's short. It's definitely short. Why is that? Because I don't think that we need more people. Not to say I love people coming into the space, but I don't think you need another conversation about which budget to use or which savings account to select. I think that the average person has enough financial literacy. They just don't believe they do. They believe that it's always something else outside of them. Because let's face Mm -hmm. it, we've all heard the same things from either Big Mama or from a blog (laughs) post. We all have these money-related podcasts, right, where we're given all this great information. There's so many books on the market for finances. It's not about financial information being hidden from us. It Really, I believe the real work is the first five pillars. Why are we not able to read and consume and listen to that type of information and run with it. It's the clutter in the other parts of our lives. That's what I truly believe. So I'm definitely moving into a space where I don't even think I'll be known as America's money maven for much longer. I don't don't really want that because I don't want to keep getting called on to simply talk about budgets and credit reports. I need, I want people to truly understand the fullness of this. And when people hear that, they go, oh, she'll tell me what I should do with my 401k. 
listen, you would know what to do with your 401k if you weren't so focused on what to do with your raggedy relationship. <laughs> like you would be Yo. more open to just talking to your HR department and getting the support you need. That's not the problem. I just refuse to believe that that's people's problem. Not 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 now, not in the information age that we live in. It's got to be something else and I think it's this. It's so interesting that you say that because I mean, one, it resonates deeply because even now, and I think people are starting to notice this with uh, the show and just how I'm, I'm talking on social media. Uh, primarily what I get pegged for is, of course, personal finance related. Hey, come give this talk. Come do this. And I'm happy to do it because I know that it's it's helping people. It's all of those things that are in alignment with the values. But I think what folks don't know is that uh, I was doing, you know, personal development, career advice like that. And I put all this within the personal development bucket. Like that's been my focus for years. It's just not what people know me for. They associate yeah. me with the personal finance side of things. Well, my bread and butter is actually career advice. How do you navigate professional spaces? Also mindset, uh, personal, uh, personal development type of topics, things like that. So it's interesting to hear you say that this finance world is still very much part of what you do in many ways, uh, or at least in some ways, who you are, but there's so much more. I feel like I'm sneaking in now. You know, when I get booked to do something, I was just on CNBC today. And, oh, you're styling on them. <laughs> you know, I, I show up and... What I've learned to do is show up under the guise of what people think they want. But I believe that what I share is what more folks need. And I understand that because I have a background as being a finance expert, that's going to be the key to opening a lot of doors. But I'm just committed to once I'm in that door, no longer playing the safe role and being in the box and just answering the question with the straightforward kind of, you know, practical cookie cutter advice that we all give, I really do try to take it into a more holistic approach. And I can tell that I catch people off guard if they're not familiar with me. I was sharing that with you before we started recording is that I know I catch people off guard. They're kind of like, oh, hmm, wow. Okay. Well, I never thought of it that way. And I'm like, good. That's the, that's the voice that I came to be on the panel because we're all yes. going to essentially say very similar things, but I'm so committed to you know, my work with financial psychology and, and really studying more about behavioral finance and just why are we making the choices that we're making with our finances? It's not necessarily because of the money. I really yes. believe it's because of other parts of our lives. Ah, uh, I love this so much. And there, and there's so many different things we could talk about, but to start getting into the uh, book a little bit, I know we've kind of been in it already. There were, there were a few things that have jumped out to me. Mm -hmm. One was this concept of the aspirational reality. Mm -hmm. And I think you talked about this when you were back on in 2017, but you didn't call it that. But, you know, like uh, living the life that you want. I'm probably butchering that a, a little bit because this is still like super fresh to me. I think what was interesting or the question that came to mind is the balance of having this aspirational reality and stepping into it, but also lifestyle inflation as a, <laughs> as a thing, because, you, because yeah. you'd be like, you know what, like I'm bossing, you know, I'm flying first class. That's the life I want. Or, you know what? I want to be a CEO. So I'm going to live in this more expensive house and I'm going I'm to get this apartment. I'm going to get all these things because, you know, I, I want to manifest this into my existence. Yeah. But it's actually 
lifestyle inflation. So can you talk a little bit more about the difference between yeah. walking it, talking it, but not necessarily spending it? <laughs> I love that. And you're so right. I, that is the perfect term for what we see on social media so often, right? It's a lifestyle inflation. So I'm a boss. I'm on the jets. I'm taking pictures here. I'm like, y'all do better. Okay. So this is the thing. In the book, I, I give an example of when I was being booked to speak that you know, initially I was just happy to be speaking, right? Like, I can't believe people are even paying me to come speak and they're paying for my flights. But one of the things I imagined for myself is that I would be a sought after multiple six figure, if not seven figure speaker. That's what I imagined. And I go, well, how does that person really live or how do they travel? And at the time, this is obviously much, much you know, earlier, way before COVID, it was like, I'm on the plane every week. This is super uncomfortable, like going on and off planes. I want to have a better experience. So I said, well, I will ask for first class tickets. Well, I was still a new speaker and people were not really, <laughs> they were like, girl, <laughs> you're not the main person. You're just a speaker here. <laughs> right? You're opening. You're yeah. opening. Okay. <laughs> like, don't, uh, don't be fooled. And so when they would buy the ticket, I decided, well, I'm going to use a portion of my speaking fee to start upgrading myself. Sometimes I would find Rich that the upgrade was $89. So we're not talking about, oh, I spent thousands of dollars, right? I was taking small portions of the speaking fee so that I could get comfortable in moving through the world that way because I don't feel you can demand from others what you don't demand of yourself first. That's what I believe. And so mm -hmm. by doing that, it started to create this ripple where eventually people did start to say, oh, okay, you have a first-class writer, cool. But I wasn't just taking money and buying first-class tickets. No, it was a subtle progression. It wasn't an overnight thing. It started with the $89 upgrade. Mind you, from a $2,000 speaking fee. So it wasn't about trying to inflate uh, the lifestyle, but being yeah. wise about, okay, well, if I'm getting this and I want to invest in this feeling and I see my life going in this direction, how do I start to just live in that way? and expect this type um, of treatment from speakers. And I know speakers who were much further along than me, Rich, who were charging $10,000 and still getting a coach ticket. And they, I got on the plane and went to first class and they were like, how'd you get that? I said, I asked for it. They hadn't changed their writer in 10 years of speaking. That's wow. a mindset thing. Why did they not change their rider? Which also told me that they should be more than a $10,000 speaker because several of them were way beyond me in terms of presence on the stage, but they didn't change their mindset. And along the way, along these years, my speaking fee has continued to elevate because I kept seeing myself in that way and putting myself in that aspirational reality like way before it was really even warranted. And I think that's the problem. We wait. We're like, well, when I get here, then I'll do this. And I was like, well, I'm going to do this in, in respect of knowing that that's where I see myself going. It's interesting because I, I was sitting here and as you're talking, I'm like, I'm like well, what's another way that I can, an, another example that, that we could talk about? And I'm thinking, let's put this in the work context and so many people uh, listening are professionals. And let's say uh, you know that you want to be a senior design manager. Let's say that, yeah, senior design mm -hmm. manager, whatever that is, and you're entry level, there's certain things that you won't have access to, won't be able to do. 
but there are skills that you can start picking up and there are and there are ways that you can present and there are things that you can work on where even if you're not at that level people assume when you're in the room that you are yeah. Or and and I find that these are the situations where uh at least in Silicon Valley and in tech we, we talk a lot about like what level somebody is, a L3, a L4, a L5, you senior, you're not. And what I found to be interesting is uh when I see somebody present and I make an assumption that they're actually more senior than they actually are and come to find out like oh this is a, a more junior team member or someone's like oh you're that level and sometimes somebody asks that question and it means the reverse where it's like, wow, like, how did you get up here? <laughs> right. But w- would you say that that's kind of like an example of, of operating that way? Yeah, absolutely. Making the connections, getting the education that you will need for where you say you want to go, as opposed to saying, well, if I ever get there, then I'll do it. That like, that's what holds us back. That's the mentality that I believe holds us back. I had a mentor I mentioned in the book, Rashawn McDonald, and he used to tell me, don't dress for where you are, dress for where you're going. So for me, getting dressed up was never about the gram because the gram wasn't a thing back then. It was about wanting to walk in the room and people respect me. Not that you have to be dressed up to get respect, but I'm just giving an an example of you know, my former days, right? It's like, don't come in looking like, oh, I'm the intern and I just rolled out of bed because I was up all night cramming for, you know, a a test or something. You still need to come in here looking like a professional. And that's advice that he gave me at 19 and it served me well. Is is that the same story where you went into the studio in sweats and you got pulled aside? Uh Uh-huh. Yes, it is. Okay. Oh, yes. I, I told you that story before. It's crazy that like I remember that distinctly from whenever you've told me somewhere over the years, I remember that distinct story. And I'm like, oh, cool. This is like coming together. That makes I, sense. That's it. That's the story. Changed my life. <laughs> now, now, now we're, we're talking about mindset, which also made me think of something else from the book, uh, this concept of the 98-2 rule. Yeah. That, Can you talk about that? Because I've, I've never heard it put this way before. That was actually from a friend of mine who came on the podcast. And his book is actually The Six Indicators of Success, I believe. But he talks about the 98-2 rule being that life is not anything about what just happens. It's how we respond. And that 98% of it is attitude and only 2% is aptitude. So most people will think, oh, I need all the things, all the degrees, all the letters, all the certifications. And in many circumstances, you need the attitude of someone who wants it. And I tell the story in the book about my husband who formerly managed Steve Harvey. And he ended up getting in that position. He started as the guy holding his green juice and making little errands, um, running little errands for him. He was not the person who was supposed to be reviewing contracts. But his attitude was the thing that got him to that place. Steve noticed and invited him to like take a look at something. And he was already educated in that way, right? In many ways, he was more than suited for it, but that wasn't the role when he walked in. And his attitude is what did it. It wasn't the fact that he knew TV, but he was investing, you know, behind the scenes and also making sure that when that opportunity came, he was ready. So he was learning little things along the way. Oh, and and that makes such a big difference. And uh, I'm I'm thinking about this. So so when I read this, and uh, even now, I thought about the situations where it's it's not so much like for some people, it's not really about talent. Like there are super talented people who are out there, and they just get outworked. Period. You know, even myself, I have I have a thing where where like there are certain 
there are certain types of people that just, they, there's this bad vibe that I get, but I see that, and, I, and I'll see them succeeding. And I've wondered, I'm like, how is it that this person who I know is awful, or I get the inclination <laughs> that they're an awful human being, like That's how that are Pisces they- That's in us. We know, don't we? <laughs> we, we? We do. I didn't want to say it, but th- there's a very, and, and I don't get this about everyone, but there are certain folks who give me like this very strong, like, I know they're super successful, but something's not right. Mm-hmm. And- uh, I've often found that for these folks, all the negative stuff aside, the, the one consistent is they work awesome. and they will do anything. They will chop any, like they'll chop anyone down, but they have a goal and they work and they are merciless about achieving that goal. That, that That's the one common thing I've noticed about all of these folks. Yeah, I agree. I pick up on it too, really quickly, you know, and I will say those same people are typically the folks who give people advice that are like, oh, you just got to work hard. And then people go, well, I'm working hard. How come I'm not getting <laughs> ahead? And I'm like, the thing that they out is like, by any means necessary, will I do this thing? Whether, it, you know, that could be forsaking personal time. That could be to the detriment of my own physical and mental well-being. It could be to the detriment of my personal, professional relationships. But boy, at the end of the day, I can say I made it. And for some people, that's good enough. Personally, I don't desire to be a public success and a private failure. I don't want people's thing behind my back to be like, mm, I don't really, hmm, I'm confused. I like that my reputation in most spaces precedes me, that very often the opportunities that I get, I didn't pitch for, and I don't have to fight for them. It's usually because someone can say good things about me when I'm not in the room. And that's that's a choice, right? That's about building your business and your life by your core values and not just by, you know, cash in the bank. You know, I got cash too, but I want to get there. I want to get there, you know, um, in a way that feels good for me. Yes. And that's the part where it felt like it took, I talked to my therapist about it. Like it's it's been a conversation over the years where I felt, and I'm starting to feel, and this is going to feed into the next thing that I'm going to ask you about, but I've I've had this feeling of like, man, I feel like I'm working so hard. I'm doing the right things. I'm being nice. You know, I'm being so considerate of everyone, but yet things just aren't moving the way that I thought they would, or they're not moving as as quickly as I thought these would. While the, these other people, who I shouldn't be worrying about in the first place, but we make <laughs> comparisons. These other people, they just seem to be full steam ahead. And uh, that actually gets into one thing. And this was something that even before... We talked about the book. I thought this would be a great thing to cover, but this concept of abundance and from the book and this, like, I actually did one of the, what's the meme where the dude, he puts his hand over his mouth and looks off into the distance oh. or like the dude who taps, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like that, or like the dude who taps on his head. But this idea that accountability activates abundance, which I know is kind of different, but I've noticed as, you know, I've made myself more more publicly accountable. I think about uh, a couple of like the mastermindy type of conversations that I've had, the folks that I'm starting to have conversations with. And I'll say that that's also different as well. People I never thought would give me time are giving me time, mm-hmm. which is something else that, that I found super interesting. But can you talk about this idea of accountability, activating abundance, and maybe how you've seen that uh, manifest? Let's even say like most recently in, in your life to kind of make that real for people. Oh, this is so good. So as I was sharing earlier, I really do believe in just 365 degrees of accountability. So, you know, we've heard of accountability partners. So at least having one other person that you can share your goals with or share whatever you're working on with, which was huge for me because 
I know uh, growing up as a black woman in South Central Los Angeles, I often heard that you should not tell people your business. Like, don't tell people what you're working on. They may steal it. Don't say anything. Right. And it's like a scarcity mindset, because if you're constantly not saying anything, again, you're having conversations in your head and you're talking yourself in and out of brilliant, possibly multi-million dollar ideas because you don't have anyone to share them with. And when we don't necessarily come from backgrounds where maybe you have family members that could be supportive or you have friends that are in the same vein, I think it's really important to go find who you need, curate the community that you need to support you. So there's accountability um, partners or mastermind relationships. I believe in mentorship and coaching very strongly because I believe in people helping you get there sooner, quicker, faster. I believe in accountability to your higher power. If you believe in that, I know, I believe that we're all here for a purpose, with purpose, on purpose. And there's just some things that my faith dictates that I do and not do. And I, you know, may die and find out that it was all a fraud, but I will feel that I lived a better life because I had that level of accountability. And then there's accountability to self. And I think that's the, the number one thing um, as well is that accountability to self that you do what you say you're going to do, not because someone else is watching, but because you're watching. And it perpetuates a story in your head if you say, okay, I'm going to do this, and then you don't. That little nagging voice that we all have is like, man, you don't do anything right. You never follow through. Mm. Why? Like, when are you really going to get it together? And it just creates this loop in this pattern that is not supportive and super unproductive and just negative. So, there's accountability all around. I am always in a mastermind group of some kind. I am. I always am in therapy of some kind at all times, which is good. Um, accountability yes. for my personal life. I believe the podcast is my open public accountability. It's nothing like blurting something out on the podcast and having dozens of people go, hey, you said you were going to. I'm like, oh, my gosh, these people really, um, <laughs> they really yeah. listen. We'd be listening. listening, right? Like, so I I have learned that my success has been rooted in saying it, like putting it out there, telling people um, what I'm working on, telling people what my desire is. In any one of the pillars, I always have some type of goal I'm going, and I gotta find people to help to help me because we're all human. We're human, and we will. Mm. Be like, well, that sounds good. And then back ourselves right out of it. And the only way to keep making progress is to have that level of support. The accountability piece is, in terms of putting it out there, is interesting because I've also been guilty of this. And I'm even guilty of it, like, super recently. Of Like, I put something out there. It's like, yeah, I've announced it. Now, it creates accountability, but it also gives, like, this temporary euphoria where it's kind of like, oh, like, I told the world. And but, and so it's easy to put something out there and then not follow up and hope that people forget mm -hmm. about it. There's like that side of it too, where like you commit to it and the achievement is telling people about it, but then you follow actually through. don't do the work afterwards, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I've had that before, right? I, I know that there's things that I've said prematurely and it's not that the intent yeah. or the purpose wasn't there, but I do believe there's also a such thing as divine timing. So just because I have the idea or it's something I desire to do and I say it, it doesn't mean I need to do it today or in this moment. And I think that's where we can get tripped up. But when you know that this is the intention, but you're sincere about 
I know the steps and the path. And maybe despite publicly, your smaller, more intimate group knows the inner workings of that and can hold hold you accountable for, you said you're going to do this thing. I'm not looking for it next week, but definitely want to see it this year, <laughs> right? Like definitely yeah. want to see it sooner than later. Then it's it's helpful. And Patrice, I know we could talk about a million different things, but we're, we're rounding toward the end of this particular episode. And, there, and there's so much in the book to talk about and digest. I definitely encourage everyone to pick it up, redefine wealth for yourself, how to stop chasing money and finally live your life's purpose. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've heard me talk a lot more about purpose, accountability, a lot, some of the same concepts that are in this book, but uh, Patrice words them so much better than I do myself. So I do encourage folks to pick this up. So Patrice, it's been fantastic having you on the show. And is there a parting message for folks or something that you really wanted to make sure that that, that you shared with people that, that we didn't get to cover today? And then uh, also anything that folks should know about copping this dopeness. Yes. So first of all, thank you for having me back. I appreciate it truly. Second, I just want the audience to know that my main mission with Redefine Wealth for Yourself is just for you to know that wealth is so much more than money and material possessions. The true definition of wealth is the condition of well-being. And it is important that you look at the other aspects of your life as you seek to build um, wealth and prosperity and all that great stuff. And other than that, you can find me at patricewashington.com. I love Instagram, Seek Wisdom PCW. And the book is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, most places where books are sold. Uh, redefine Wealth for Yourself. And I hope it blesses you. And I also discovered in reading the book how you chose the name Seek Wisdom PCW as a constant reminder to self, but we won't talk about that. You're going to have to buy the book and read the book to learn more. But Patrice, thank you so much for coming back and joining me on the podcast. Thank you to Patrice for coming on the podcast and sharing so much wisdom. She's definitely one of my favorite Pisces and one of my favorite people in general. And be sure to pick up her book, Redefine Wealth for Yourself, by visiting paybal.co slash wealth. That's P-A-Y-B-A-L dot C-O slash wealth, And that's also in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share with your network or at the very least, someone that you know needs it because the more people we reach, the more people we help. And if you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe or follow on your podcast listening platform of choice so you don't miss any of this future audio goodness. So thanks so much for listening. And until next time, be safe. I'm out. Peace.